We are It's More Than Just a Chant. We are inspirational creators, difference makers, world changers, and we are one community. Join alums Jared and Ross as they uncover stories of Penn Staters and their unique professional and personal journeys. We are Penn State, and this is Lion Legacy. All right, episode number 29 of Lion Legacy. Ross, we are releasing this two days before the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And as we were planning, we only thought it was appropriate to bring on someone who unfortunately was impacted and affected by 9-11. Yeah, absolutely. So we spoke this week with Ashley Bisman. She's a Penn State graduate who, while she was in high school, unfortunately lost her father in 9-11. He was the CFO of Cantor Fitzgerald, which was all the way at the top of the World Trade Center. And so Ashley decided to write a book, which she'll tell us all about in this episode. We don't want to give too much of it away here in the intro, but she wrote a book about her experiences losing her father and then her time post Penn State living in New York. And then it takes the the story takes a little bit of a twist. She calls it a memoir, which is, is exactly what it is. And so certainly we thought it was a very fitting guest to have as we hit the the 20th anniversary here. Yeah, I just really loved her energy and outlook on life. Can't even imagine, right? Being 16 years of age and and losing your your father in in such a a, a horrific manner. We were both at Penn State during 9-11. I'm sure you remember exactly where you were when you heard the news too. Yeah, it's one of those, this is an understatement if there ever was one, but certainly an event in your lifetime that you'll never forget where you were. And those events usually have a negative connotation. For Jared, you and I, it was our sophomore year, beginning of sophomore year, Penn State. I was living off campus. I remember, I think it was a Tuesday. Was it a Tuesday? Tuesday, Yeah. Yeah, Tuesday. I believe my class, my first class that day was not until 945. I remember being in my apartment. And again, here we go. I always seem to date myself with our Penn State stories, Jared, but this, this is the early age of cell phones. I'm, I'm hesitating as I'm saying this because it sounds ancient. Early days of cell phones. And how do we communicate, Jared? AOL Instant Messenger. There you go. Oh, my God. That sounds old. But I recall a buddy of mine who lived, I, I think he actually, he actually lived downstairs from me in the apartment building, pinged me on AOL Instant Messenger. Hey, did you see the news? And I wasn't one that I to turn on the television in the morning as I was getting ready for class. I would just whatever, get ready and, and head off. And he's obviously this was within a couple of hours of what had happened. And um, we didn't really know what to make of it. We didn't know, like, is class going on? And I think I don't remember much of it, much of a class that day. I think we got out early. And then I vividly remember going over to the hub and seeing all the people cr- just tons of people crowded around those big screens that they had in the foyer of the, or the entryway of the hub by the seating area. And just, uh, I can still remember that very clearly. Um, and then just watching the coverage all day, trying to make you know sense of it. What was going on? Why? What do they know? What do we not know? And yeah, so all 20 years later, I, I still remember that pretty clearly. And how about you? Yeah, same. I was on my way to class as well. I remember, I think I was passing by the the Keller building or inside of it. And I remember seeing all these people crowd around this TV. It wasn't a big TV. And I remember seeing it and the replay. And it was like, wait, is this a movie? Is this like a, you know, just doesn't seem real. And And at first they thought it was 
a, a plane. It was an accident, right? right. That it crashed yeah, in. Losing and, its way or whatever. It, it, exactly, right? That, you know, unfortunately, it was, fell out of the sky and, and hit the building. And then certainly we learned more. We saw the second plane. And yeah, it just, I remember I, I, I called my aunt who was living in Manhattan at the time, made sure she was okay. Yeah, for me, it was, it really, I think it hit home for everyone. I, it was something that really took me that day and and continues to take me. I, I grew up in Queens and I remember from the sixth floor of the high school that I went to, you would see the Manhattan skyline. So there were a lot of times when you were in a classroom on the sixth floor and you just gaze out and look at that Manhattan skyline. And I remember being like, wow, this is one of the most magical skylines. And, and to think that two of the tallest buildings in New York City are no longer there and just losing all those people in such a, a horrific manner. It's it still it still takes me to this day and it will always take me to this day. Just as we approach the 20th anniversary again and thinking about all the people that lost their lives and all the people that have been impacted and affected by this is it's something that I think we all keep close in in our hearts and and think about them and it was a real real pleasure to to talk with Ashley of course wish it was under different circumstances but have a lot of respect um, and admiration for her uh, in terms of sharing her story and and just her overall outlook on life absolutely and uh, with that Enjoy our conversation with Ashley Bisman. All right. Let's welcome Ashley Bisman, 2007 Penn State graduate with a degree in journalism. Ashley has certainly put that degree to good use, recently publishing Chasing Butterflies, the true story of a daughter of 9-11. As a high school student, Ashley lost the number one guy in her life, her father, Jeff Goldflap, who is chief financial officer of Cantor Fitzgerald. This is certainly not an easy subject to talk about, but we're beyond grateful for Ashley sharing her journey, as I'm sure it has helped so many people. Thank you for taking the time, Ashley. Hi, thanks for having me. Ashley, thanks for joining us. I'm sure everybody at the end of the summer looks forward to Labor Day, but then we all know what date comes shortly thereafter, September 11th. It's been 20 years since that tragic day, and we just, for, before we get started, wanted to check in with you and see how are you holding up as this day approaches. Definitely doing uh, better than in previous years, believe it or not. I think because the anniversary is coming up and so now more than ever, I'm very busy with the memoir and getting the word out there. So it's like a nice distraction to have. And there is something nice about this anniversary coming up in just in respect that I feel like I'm in a different place this year. I'm very at peace with the situation and I'm at a really great point in my life personally and professionally. So I feel like my dad would be proud. So on this specific 9-11, I think I'm just happy with where, with where my life is at. I think my dad would be smiling. Do you have any particular plans on the 11th? Is there anything that you're doing to honor your father? So my family usually does the same thing every year. We have a tradition. We to go down to the memorial fountain and we'll just take some time. My dad's name, all of the victims' names are etched in stone there. And my dad's at a very peaceful, lovely corner. So my family camps out there. We put our hands on his name and reflect for a little bit. And then we go around the corner and just have a really nice 
family dinner. This year is a little bit different because I am doing a lot of press. So I don't know if I will uh, be doing that exact thing. All previous years and years going forward, that's the plan. Let's talk a little bit about this book of yours. And we actually have a great partnership with the Daily Collegian. And every episode, students submit questions. And this week's question comes from Gigi Gatto, a senior studying nursing. And Gigi says, was there a specific experience or situation that compelled you to write your book? There was, and I don't know if this will be interesting or unfortunate, depends on your outlook on life, but I actually never planned on writing a book about 9-11. I was always really private. I didn't want to talk about it with anybody. The day was such a public event, and I just wanted to grieve the loss of my dad privately. But I always loved writing and I majored in journalism. So I was in my 20s living in Manhattan and I was working and and dating. And I happened to have a breakup with someone and I went home that night and I started writing about it. And then all throughout my 20s, I was writing about dating in Manhattan and what that was like. And then I realized that I was meeting all of these people and having all of these dating situations in the shadow of the Freedom Tower. And I started realizing that this was the story of my life. It was finding love in exactly that, in the shadow of the Freedom Tower, in the shadow of 9-11, trying to find happiness in the city where my dad died. And so that's how everything tied together. Ashley, Jared mentioned it in the intro. The book is titled Chasing Butterflies. So tell us a little bit about that phrase and what exactly, or what does it mean to you? So chasing butterflies comes from two ideas. The first is an experience that I went through with my dad and readers will have to find that as they, and figure that out as they uh, go along. So I don't want to give anything away, but one is a very special moment I had with my dad that has to do with butterflies. And then in terms of finding the love of your life and the person you want to spend the rest of your life with, you're looking to get those butterflies in your stomach and you just want to feel that flutter, so to speak. So I thought it was a really nice marriage to put getting the butterflies from dating and finding love, but also the butterfly moment that I had with my dad. I have to say, and you spoke about it a little bit before, about dating. I was definitely not expecting a book that combined 9-11 with your dating life. So a little bit lighthearted here. Do you have maybe a story? It could be a a best story or maybe depending on how you look at it, your worst story as it relates to, to dating in New York? There are so many that this podcast could go on for hours, I'm sure. But what comes to my mind at this moment is when I was dating the man that became my husband, his name is Eric. And There was a point where we were dating and the anniversary for 9-11 was coming up, one of the anniversaries. And he had said, I'd love to go with you and your family and, and see the museum and go to the memorial fountain. And even though we were pretty serious at the time, I had said to him, that's something I want to save for my husband. I only want to take one man to that spot and that has to be the person I'm going to be with forever. And that's the first thing I think of right off the bat. And then on a lighter note, of course, you have those many years earlier when I had just fun first dates, second dates in the city. And 
I'm holding hands with someone or even like a kiss in the middle of the street. And, but you know, you do have this looming, very tall building in the background, which is the Freedom Tower and it's always there. So it's a very unique situation to be in. Do you have any dating advice for all the the single people that are trying to navigate New York City? Oh boy. I think dating has changed a lot since I was single. I met my husband online. We met on JDate. Everything was online then. And now there's apps and Bumble and and Hinge. And I don't even know what. Um, So there's a lot more to it these days. But I would say to enjoy it. I think dating can get really frustrating and overwhelming, but there's also something really fun about it. When you go on dates, you're going to new bars and new restaurants and you're meeting new people and you're learning about yourself. And I think instead of rushing that and just trying to get to the happily ever after, it's nice to enjoy the moment and enjoy meeting those people and enjoy those times because then you'll be where I'm sitting right now, which is hiding in my dining room so that my kids don't wake up and hear me. And, (laughs) you know, it's a great place to be in, but there's also something fun about having those memories of those single days. Jared, are you taking notes? (laughs) I need to. All right. (laughs) Ashley, beyond Penn State, we also have another connection. I used to work with my wife many years ago when she and I lived in New York City. And so it's funny that after all these years, we have that connection. Also, shout out to, she's not a Penn Stater, but Amy Zainfeld uh, and her sister Jenna are good friends of yours. They're good friends of ours. They're not Penn Staters. We love them anyway. And so we'll give them, I'm sure they're listening to this episode. We'll give them a shout out too for making uh, the connection here. But TV Guide, going back to so you and Jessica worked at TV Guide together. Not a company we hear too much about these days, although they certainly made a mark in their heyday. And then you decided to do a career change. How did that, so tell us what happened. You were working in the corporate world and then- you went in a different direction. Yes. So I majored in journalism in college, always loved to write. And when I graduated, I was living at home like so many graduates do. And I was just couldn't wait to get a job, get an apartment in the city and, and start my life. And a sorority sister of mine had recently left her job at TV Guide. And so she sends an email out to all the new graduates just saying, hey, it was time for me to move on. I worked at TV Guide for many years. It's amazing. And they're looking for for someone young and ready to get their feet wet in the ad sales industry. I knew nothing about ad sales, but I was like, let's give this a shot. I ended up getting the job and I was horrible at it. (laughs) I'm I'm not meant to do advertising sales. There's not a bone in my body that was good at it. However, it was really fun working with Jess and I have a best friend today still that I had met when I was working at TV Guide. So overall, it was a really fun experience, but that actual job, I'm not good at. And so talking about the career change, I think after that experience, I wanted a break from the corporate world and I love children. I always have. And so naturally I just thought teaching was the way to go. And uh, I taught for many years. I'm currently on maternity leave from having my son, but that's what gave me the time to finish my book. So I think it was all meant to be and came full circle in that way. Tell us what you do in the in, in the teaching realm. What are you involved with? So I teach fifth grade 
gifted and talented, but I'm also certified in um, special education. So I taught in a self-contained classroom for a long time. So I've seen everything and I loved all of the students that I had. Many of them were first generation children and their parents came here from so many different countries and they were so grateful for everything. They were grateful for their education and it was a really special time. So I hope to get back to that one day. I know this book just came out, but are you thinking about other books that you'd like to write? Absolutely. And I've, I've started a few and they're all very different. So depending on the mood that I'm in is, is the one that I go to when I want to write. And I'm also trying not to do too much writing because I just feel like I want to enjoy this moment. I spent so many years working on Chasing Butterflies and while it's fresh out there and there's some hype around it right now, I really want to enjoy that. So I'm trying not to work too much on anything else, but some dabbling here and there. How long did it take you to write the book? And like, what's the process that you have to go through to write? Writing a book is a really interesting process. I think any author can admit to that. So I was writing it in my 20s and I would go to different events in Manhattan where you pitch your book to different agents. And the first job in, in getting a book out there is you want to land an agent. And oh my gosh, it's like speed dating, but speed dating to find the agent. And you pitch your book over and over and you hear no a thousand times. I definitely heard no a thousand times for many different reasons. And I think you really always just have to keep on going. So I heard a million no's and I just kept going back to my book and editing it and rewriting it and trying to figure out what worked. And then eventually I found a great literary agent, Jeff Arvan, and he believed in the story and he helped me to get it published. And I'm curious about your writing process. I'm jumping back to what you mentioned a moment ago. You have a kind of, you said a few works in process. Do you have an idea, and we don't have to speak specifics, but just at a high level, do you like figure out where the story goes as you're writing it? Or do you have an outline in your head of what you want to, what the skeleton turns into the whole, the whole thing? Or how does that work for you? I definitely have to have an outline. So ironically, you mentioned my friend, Jenna Zainveld. And so Jenna, many years ago, as a gag gift for Christmas, got me a book called How to Write a Novel. I believe it's by Nate Bransford, something along those lines. And I was on a flight to LA and I read the whole book and that taught me how to write I didn't write a novel, but it taught me how to write my memoir. And basically he talks about having like tent poles where like you have your main idea of your story, but then you have to have those elements that hold it up and lift it up. And so in the form of an outline, you have to figure out, you know, how you're going to get the points of your story across. Who are your characters? What's your dialogue going to be like? What's your voice? So it's a lot of steps and I think you have to be really organized in the process. So and ultimately the gag was on her because you took her gag gift and actually used it and said, Hey, look, this actually worked. Exactly. Now I feel bad. All I got her was a bottle of wine. <laughs> uh, all right. Take it for what it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to get into your time at Penn state in just a few moments, but first we want to make sure that we keep your father's legacy alive for everyone that's listening. What do you want them to know, remember and, or do in Jeff Goldflam's honor? 
That's a great question. I think about keeping my dad's legacy alive every day. And I think the only person and the only people that can really do that are me and my brother, because I think he would be honored by the things that we do and the things that make us happy. And every time we smile, I would hope that would make him smile. And every time we make good choices and good decisions in our lives, I think that's what would keep his memory and legacy alive. But for others, I think just lending a helping hand. When people go through hard times and disaster, it's nice when others reach out, even strangers. In terms of 9-11, Tuesday's Children is a great nonprofit organization. And all the people that donated their time to Tuesday's Children are the reason why so many families affected by 9-11 and so many other tragedies. They're the reason why we're okay and why we have support. So I'd say just for other people out there to just be mindful of, of family or friends or even strangers that are going through something hard and, and try and reach out and help them. And I think that's what makes the world go around. Let's talk a little bit about where people can get your book. And you are donating, I believe, a, a portion of the proceeds to actually Tuesday's Children, if that's correct. Yes. So you can purchase the book on Amazon. It has paperback and Kindle available. I'm also really excited because I'm selling the book at a local store in Port Washington, New York called the Dolphin Bookshop, which is really fun. But for most people, um, Amazon is the way to go. And yes, I'm donating a portion of proceeds to Tuesday's Children Organization. Doesn't get any easier than Amazon, right? There's no excuse for people not to buy this book. It's Everyone's true. got Amazon. It's true. And it's nice to know that the money you're using to buy it is going toward a good cause. 100%. We are actually going to now transition into your time at Penn State. And we're going to put you into the lion's den. And this <laughs> is brought to you by our friends at Lions Pride. Just remember when you want to show off your Penn State pride, Visit lions-pride.com for the latest and greatest apparel and merchandise. I should have worn a Penn State shirt for this interview. You should have. We had on a guest uh, a few weeks ago, John Culinary, who actually was wearing a Penn State tank top. Yeah, I'm disappointed in myself. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. No worries. So, Ashley, we really appreciate you talking to us about the book, of course, and your father and your career. But let's move back a little bit and tell us how did Penn, your time at Penn State prepare you for that career that you told us about in your personal life and all of your professional endeavors? Penn State, I think, really shaped the young adult that I became when I graduated. And it was everything from the teachers to the journalism department to the friends that I made and also leaving New York for four years and being in just the beautiful state of Pennsylvania and State College where it really is Happy Valley with those rolling hills and it's very peaceful. And I think that whole experience just made me graduate and come out, come out of college ready to, to, to work and to be a real adult. <laughs> Toughest question of the podcast. Favorite time at Penn State? That is the toughest question because, yeah, how do you choose a favorite time? <laughs> um, I hate to sound cliche and say the tailgates and the football games because everybody would probably say that. But I do have to say those tailgates were so much fun. Just that school spirit and hearing 
100,000 people in the stadium cheering. And those are just incredible times. And the cheers in the stadium were so loud that you could feel the vibrations under your feet. So that energy was just incredible. And you can go to a concert at Madison Square Garden, but it's still not the same. <laughs> Ashley, also, I, I guess we should have hit this earlier, but why did, you choose, why did you choose Penn State? You know, coming from New York, did you grow up in Long Island? I did, yeah. Okay, I know we have some, a decent number of Long Islanders that make their way to State College, but for you, what was the impetus for, for going all the way? What's that, five hours away from home? Yeah, it's a little 9-11 related. First of all, my brother went to Indiana University, and that was a Big Ten school. And I went to visit him when I was in high school with my dad, which was a great memory. And I just loved like that energy of a big school and, and just the whole feel of a campus that was in like the country, so to speak. I love that whole atmosphere. And so I applied to a lot of schools like that. And then Penn State, I really, I went to visit it when I was in high school and I had a great experience. The campus was gorgeous and all of the people were so friendly and the departments were all very prestigious and well-known. But also, I think I really needed to get out of New York after 9-11. I felt like everybody knew my last name. Everyone knew me as that girl whose dad passed away. And I just wanted to go to a school where nobody knew me and they only knew about my story if I chose to tell them. And so the nice thing about Penn State was really nobody knew me. And it wasn't until I made very close friends, probably my spring semester or freshman year, and I chose to tell them about 9-11 and how it affected me. And, it, and I don't think I would have been able to do that if I went to a school closer to home. Excellent. And then, so building off of that, so when you decided on Penn State and then you entered as 18-year-old Ashley some, what, less than two years removed from your father passing. If you could go back and visit with yourself at that point, what advice would you share? What advice would I share with myself as the young college student? Yeah. It's the first thing that comes to mind. It's silly, but I remember it was syllabus week and I was a freshman and everyone was like, we're going to go out, we're going to party. And I was like, no, like I, I, the first day of school is tomorrow. Like we can't do that. Like my mom wouldn't let me do that. And now I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> I should have gone out. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I think I would have just told myself not to be so hard on myself and to, to, to just enjoy myself. Some of the classes were hard. I took a philosophy class that was impossible. I had a few journalism classes and the teachers were really tricky and, and tough. And I think I just would have told myself to not take it so seriously and just do the best I can and, and enjoy it. Now, along the advice lines, when you find someone is considering Penn State, maybe in Port Washington, what do you tell them? Why should they go there? There's a million reasons why someone should go there. But I would say, especially if they're in Port Washington here with me, it's a great escape. It's nothing like Long Island. It's nothing like New York City. It truly is its own world. You're in State College and the town is the school, right? Everything is Penn State. You go into a restaurant, it's Penn State. You go into a clothing store, it's Penn State. And so to be part of that is is so magical. And for me, I also like it because it's a nice five-hour drive. And so if I did want to get home, if I did miss my family, 
it's nice that you can just hop in the car and get home if you need to. Excellent. And lastly, how do you feel most connected to the university these days? Is there anything you're involved with? How do you remain connected? Definitely through my friends, I would say is the first and foremost. You meet you meet people in college that are going to be with you for the rest of your life. So we met when we were 18 and now we're 36. And to see everyone go through different careers and and some people going through marriage and having children. And it's really beautiful to watch everyone grow up. And so those relationships are just so special. And then in terms of being connected with Penn State, I recently did an interview with a, a great journalism student for the Daily Collegian. And that was about chasing butterflies. But there was something really special about being interviewed by a journalism major when I was a journalism major. I graduated in 07. So that was really fun for me. I got to say, this is a, a very tough subject for us and for everyone. When Ross and I were discussing having you on, it's one of those that really hits you in, in the heart. But it, it's clear that you just have an amazing outlook on life and you talk about lending a helping hand and there's no doubt that your story is helping so many people out there and the impact that you've had by writing that story is tremendous so want to make sure one we thank you for taking the time to write that story and sharing it with so many people out there and there's no doubt in in our mind certainly we didn't know your dad but certainly he is extremely happy and proud of you and your brother and your family and we wish you continued success. We'll be thinking about you, uh, 9-11, and hope that more and more people will buy the book after hearing this podcast and want to continue to share your message. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. And I have to say, it's been really nice hearing from strangers and they'll send me emails and they'll say, I live in a big city and I'm dating and I recently lost a parent and reading helped me navigate or it helped me relate to someone. And I've heard all different stories, but it's nice connecting with someone that I've never known. Fantastic. Well, thanks again. And we always end with, we are. We are Penn State. <laughs> <laughs> Lion Legacy is a Baruta production. If you enjoy this Labor of Love podcast, we'd certainly appreciate it if you would subscribe and write us a review on your favorite podcast platform.